Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. So welcome to Empower Talks, the podcast where we discuss all things career with insurance professionals. And today I'm really excited to have Emma White with us, who is a underwriter at Liberty Industry Markets. Uh, I've known Emma since she first joined the market on the Liberty Grad Scheme, and she's been someone who's been really engaged in her own development and um, any opportunities she's got to advance herself and also very self-aware of the opportunities that she wants to develop. So um, it's great to have you here with us today to talk to about your development, Emma. The topic particularly that we're going to be focusing on today, um, so each person that's coming onto a podcast, we've identified a topic around careers that I think is something they can talk about naturally and bring a lot of experiences to. And for you, um, the topic is really about the transition from a grad scheme into a, a professional role with that experience and and how to kind of build and demonstrate those capabilities as you're trying to almost rebrand yourself out of that graduate scheme. Um, So today we're going to be exploring a little bit about your career to date, opportunities you've had through that uh, and any challenges and advice that you might give to other graduates who are listening on into this one. So we'll start off with the question that a lot of people um, talk about in insurance and your answer is slightly different here. So uh, you're one of the few people that I've met who, from uh, a younger age, was interested in working in insurance. Uh, where did that desire come from? Yeah, sure. So don't worry, I wasn't I wasn't five years old wanting to work in insurance just just yet. But um, so I was always pretty academic at school. I loved English and maths in equal measure, which I think is quite unusual for a lot of people. And I always since I remember wanted to work for a big corporate I wanted um, I looked up to the world of business and finance and thought yep I think that's what I want to do Um, and my dad was in insurance Um, he was a broker and still is and my mum was in a claims team Um, unfortunately the options back then were a lot more limited and she wasn't able to go back to work after having me Um, so she didn't continue her in, her career in insurance, but it's a bit of a running joke that she got her ACII and my dad never did. Um, so I I obviously had, had seen my parents doing that or my dad doing that at least and my mum speaking about it. So it was always something that was in the back of my mind that I might go into. And then when I got to university, I started to apply for broader in, um, internships and graduate programmes across different industries. And I saw some of my friends at university applying for insurance, which took me back a little bit. It just, I wasn't something I was, I was quite surprised that it was such a, a large industry, really, um, at that age. And I thought, actually, hang on, I should, I should probably look into this. So I was very lucky that I got a week's work experience at Liberty. And um, that just kept on being extended because I was having such a great time. Um, and ended up spending the summer there and a few summers after. So, um, and then obviously got on the graduate programme a few years later. So it was something that kind of developed from quite a young age. But um, yeah, really pleased I found it really. And how do your friends, what do they have to say about that now? Um, I think they find it quite quite funny really, because yeah, I've been working at Liberty now since I was 19 for, in different stints. And a lot of my friends have moved industries quite a lot or move jobs quite a lot which is obviously totally um common and understandable in in for my generation so it is I 
probably been at company longs that I've had with my friends. I think they find it quite unusual. Um, they they love the when I explain sort of the Lloyd's market and the whole sort of setup of it. I think they find it quite um yeah quite quite unique um quite old school. But um yeah they they find it really interesting as I think most people do when they start to find out about it. And how long has it been now since you first joined? So I joined Liberty permanently four and a half years ago on the graduate programme and then spent a year on the graduate programme and then a couple of years in the marine division doing data analytics and also um, un- sort of assistant underwriter role for the finance BC team. And then a couple of years in the um, doing finance BC assistant underwriter and then I've just been promoted to underwriter, which is exciting um so thank you (laughs) so coming in on a grad scheme um and obviously get a lot more structure around that kind of entry um position what did you gain from that experience um I think the main thing for me so I obviously joined um I was placed primarily in operations so I'd always loved projects I'd always loved organizing things so it did seem like a, a really good fit however I think a lot of people join if you're in an insurer and see the underwriting roles and think well that's obviously something I definitely want to explore at least so I spent a lot of time rotating around different uh, underwriting teams and then I spent the day with the fine art and species team and that just totally grabbed my interest and I remember coming home and just saying that that was brilliant I absolutely loved my day that's where I, that's where I'd really like to try and aim for and so I think for me it was just the opportunity to see lots of different teams in action understand for myself what it was that I wanted to do as well rather than just be placed somewhere and hope that that and sort of just snowball along and and hope for the best in your career so it was it was really nice to to be a bit more proactive and see what I would at least ideally like to do and I think just it's obviously mentioned a lot of your network and the whole networking thing and actually I just really enjoyed speaking to lots of different people and being involved in different projects and committees Um, there was just so much to do and so much many opportunities to meet people um, so yeah, I think, I think that's what, what I really enjoyed about it. And yeah, I hope that they continue because I think they're a, a brilliant thing for a company to do and, and get new people in that might not have necessarily found their niche. Yeah. And it's a great success to get exposure to something on a grad scheme and then find your way into that as your, um, profession. So that's, um, a, a big achievement. So well done there. What advice would you give to other graduates that, are on their schemes that want to get the most out of it? I think I think just to try and be genuinely interested and approach everything with quite a proactive and positive manner. I think that it's quite it's it's a difficult one because you obviously start on these you've you've you know done a degree or you've done a master's whatever and, and you come in and and you're really hungry to learn but at the same time on a graduate program there isn't you're not necessarily doing a permanent role so a lot of the time you will be hopping between teams and spending a week or two weeks and there's only so much that some teams can give you in that time span because you just don't have that level of knowledge yet so I think just being genuinely interested to learn as much as you can because most people are just extremely helpful and and want to share their knowledge and, and find their sort of subject matter really interesting so I think doing that and just being really willing to help doing absolutely anything. Like I'd often get given the scanning and, and obviously I'd just completed a degree, but not sort of looking at it like, oh, great, I've done God knows how much debt I'm in for a bit of scanning. You know, it's not that's not what you're there for to 
to sort of look down on those jobs it is just to get stuck in and and I used to a lot of these things you just try and read as much as you go if you get given the photocopying um it is yeah just to try and get involved as much as you can join committees don't just you don't need to just limit yourself to the role you're you're doing and if you can try and add some value along the way especially if you're rotating around different teams a lot of teams are quite set in their ways and actually saying you do realize that this team over there are using these data analytics and they're using that report and actually people are quite grateful for that more than more than you probably think yeah excellent so through transitioning different teams you're seeing um potential process improvements and sharing knowledge with other teams despite the fact you're probably coming in with the least amount of experience you've probably got a quite a broad perspective of how things are done across the organization yeah absolutely and I think it's it's interesting because there are still things that I do now that I've that I introduced from when I was in another team or people that I've knew from those from those rotations that I'll say you know we're saying oh does anyone know anyone in the finance team or the compliance team or how do they does that work in claims or oh what's an arbitration oh I think I went to one of them on my graduate year it's it's things like that and I think the one the bit I loved about the liberty scheme was that a lot of it you did have not have to set up yourself but it was up to you to if it was if someone said I'd like to you should you should come and sit with us for a week that was then up to you to go and set that up so there was a lot of you know and it's 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 down to you at the end of the day to do it which really I really enjoyed because it meant I wasn't stuck somewhere and had to stay there um so yeah I just I'd say just try and try and do what you can really and make the most of it so when you come in as a grad it's a bit of a label that tends to stick um and it can be a title that's hard to shift really um so how did you move away from being considered a grad and, and kind of being considered um, an assistant underwriter and now an underwriter in your own right yeah I mean I guess it doesn't happen overnight there has definitely been it's difficult because you you come in at like I said earlier you, you've you've had this degree or and you've so for example I did an English degree so I had I felt like I was a good communicator I was a good writer I'd learned some presenting skills along the way but my knowledge of insurance at that point was pretty limited um so it's very difficult to get that balance I think you do need to be very fairly humble and not just sort of rush in and and feel like you you've got all these qualifications and you've got this status of being on the graduate program which for most of these they are a very competitive scheme so obviously it's you know being really proud and confident that you've got that far but also aware that you've got a long way to go um so I didn't have those direct I hadn't done an insurance degree I hadn't even really done a business or economics degree so you have to come in and and really be willing to work and and willing to be very inquisitive and and understand your trade right from right from scratch really so it's definitely a a challenging transition and, and one that doesn't happen overnight um so yeah it's taken me four and a half years to get to this underwriter role which I'm really excited about and definitely feel confident that I'm I'm there now but that's taken a whole lot of questions along the way um and some really supportive mentors and people in my team and management to really give me the tools I need to complete that um completed my ACII as well which I think a lot there's a lot of question marks around whether it's worth it in inverted commas um personally I just felt like it it gave me that foundational qualification that I knew that I had 
I had done what I needed to do and followed the the steps, if you like, to being a fully fledged underwriter. Um, so yeah, I think it's having confidence in your abilities along the way and, and yeah, just trying to ask as many questions and pick up as much knowledge as you can really. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of ACII, of course. Um, I think, it's uh, a great thing to do at the beginning of your career. I completely understand, you know, that there are lots of people that have, you know, had and still have very successful careers in insurance without it. Um, although nowadays more and more people are coming in, um, it's becoming more normal. And I think as we look around and you just kind of look across your peers, uh, the majority of people are having it. So I think, um, you know, it, it's it's a badge of honour um, that that I think is something should be encouraged and respected across the industry. And, and I, I think it's it's great that more people have it because I think as a credibility of the industry as a whole, having that kind of professional um, standard, professional qualification across the board, it allows us to kind of have more public trust when the public are looking in at, at us as a profession as well. I totally agree. And I think for me, because... Some may have argued that I did do this quite quickly and that I had got an English degree. It really helped for me to when I'd got that ACII status that I did feel as much as I'd picked up a majority of, of the knowledge for my role in particular on the job. It just felt like I was I knew that I was ready and that I had I'd earned, I'd earned my my place there, I think. And I was I was really proud of that. And I did I did learn a lot on it, even if it's not directly fine art and species related or terrorism related, it's still you're still learning those fundamental building blocks. And I think that what if you can do it when you have available time to do it, for me it was a case of I want to get this done in a couple of years so that I don't have to it doesn't ever it doesn't play on my mind again was my kind of attitude to be honest. And I'm I'm really, really pleased I did it. Yeah, excellent. So you kind of talked about the people around you to help you do that. Um, how about the rebranding kind of exercise? So going from being um, you know, a, a, a very inexperienced, often young grad coming in to uh, somebody who's got more credibility and more experience as a professional, what was the kind of thought process for you and the actions around that? Yeah, I think that, like I said earlier, it's it's something that doesn't happen overnight. So it's it's getting a bit of a balance between earning you know if you've you're at the end of the day if you jo- I joined as a assistant underwriter largely and in, in my team and it's it's making sure that you're doing the job you're doing really well so there's no point saying I, I think I I deserve to be a senior underwriter and I, I'm going to do that today because that just that just isn't how the job works you have to do your own job to a really high standard and from doing that you you learn your trade and and hopefully you work your way up so I think a big thing for me was understanding what I was doing in an enormous amount of detail so that I could add value to that task I was doing and that would therefore give me the skills I would need for the next step um I think a huge part of it is confidence as well so once you've got that understanding and that learning or at least a large part of it because obviously you're never going to know everything you a lot of it is the confidence in order to then use that and and feel, especially with underwriting, confident in your decision because the very nature of what we do in, and majority of Lloyds do is it's very unique risks. We don't often see the same risk in the same way ever twice. So it's it's really trying to use that knowledge you've got to then apply it to different circumstances. And one of the things I did quite early on 
which I actually learned on a course was obviously we underwrite a lot at Lloyd's, which for many is quite an intimidating environment. You're sitting at a box and you don't know who the next broker is going to sit down and ask you a question as to, and if you're going to know about it, it could be a one of thousands of accounts and thousands of questions. So one of the first things um, that I really tried to do when I was starting to use my authority more and more was when someone sat down and if I wasn't sure on the answer, it was to take it away. And that's, I think a lot of people, whatever the level will do that. And I think it's a lot of people feel like compelled to answer right there and then. And for me, it was really important to, if I wasn't sure, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's my company's capital at risk. I've got to make these decisions very carefully. So it was a case of taking it away. And sort of coming back to your question, it was it was actually to say, I'm going to I'm going to take this away and I'm going to do it rather than I don't know the answer. I need to go and ask someone else, which obviously everyone needs to ask questions to other people and get other people's opinion and advice. But for me, it was actually sort of taking that ownership of things. Um, And in the same way, when I was reviewing risks and I still try to do this now is actually come up with my own stance and my own opinion before I then if I need to get some um, advice from management or the rest of my team it's say this is this is what I think what do you what what would you do rather than just offloading things Im- immediately as that I can't do this it's I don't get it um, so I think yeah to be a more experienced professional it's just trying to practice and practice and, and try and yeah refine those skills as much as you can whilst retaining ownership of them um, which yeah I think takes a lot of takes a lot of time um, and hopefully that's something that I will continue to develop along along the way. Yeah excellent and in all these skills and development um, so I think you, you went for your graduate program you did your ACII you've done um, an art history course you've been on the I engage program you're about to start the syndicate business program so um, you're certainly someone I describe as an active learner what makes you so enthusiastic about professional development and personal development? I think I think it's twofold. Firstly, I I really really enjoy learning learning about stuff. I find it really exciting. Um, I've always enjoyed having goals and objectives and just understanding things in more detail. Um, we did a course at work a couple of years ago, and I think majority of of the underwriters and team came out and after they'd introduced us to this growth mindset idea, which I know is such a common thing to teach in schools, but it's just not some a phrase that. I had heard or I think a lot of people had heard and actually the idea that if I don't understand something that's not inbuilt in me that I just am incapable of understanding it it's right we've got Google at our disposal I've got friends in different industries I've got mentors and colleagues who do understand it it's trying to find the right person and most people really enjoy sharing that wisdom so it's it's not often difficult to at least find out the fundamentals of something so I think yeah, I think that's probably part of it. And the other part is I've, I I often feel quite uncomfortable if I don't understand something. I, I like to know my my way of doing things is to really understand the detail and then it makes me more confident in my decisions and, and the way I approach things. So I think, yeah, for me, it's just, it's 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 a big part of our job um, and it makes it more exciting, really. And outside of those kind of courses, is there anything you do kind of on a more personal level for your development? Um, I've started, I, I've really in lockdown listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, I find that 
really enjoyable not necessarily all sort of professionally related there are a few insurance podcasts I've listened to I love um things like women's health and the power hour by Adrian Herbert I find really motivational it's obviously been a bit of a challenging year to keep motivations up um so I love to go for a a good 10k in the morning and just yeah listen to a podcast is is one of my favorite things um I've also started to get try to get more into audiobooks because the idea of picking up a book after reading contracts and emails all day just has not been doing it for me in lockdown so I'm starting to um try and listen to a few more audiobooks because I really I really enjoy self-help books it's just um yeah there's only so much reading I feel like I my, my brain can take in a week <laughs> um but yeah I I love I love all of that stuff and really enjoy journaling as well I find that really helpful um obviously it kind of spills over from professional and personal development into just mental health related and just trying to yeah keep up motivations during what's been quite a challenging time for pretty much everyone I think you uh, are <laughs> laughing to myself as you said that because I just get up in the morning do a quick 10k listen to an audiobook and then start my day as though yeah I mean I really need to I really need to preface that that is not that is not the given day um I'm really lucky that Liberty from quite early on said if you you know structure your day as you need to um and so yeah I love every every couple of days um I've I've tried to go for a nice run um so if I disappear for at 10 o'clock for an hour that's that's probably where I've gone um but yeah it's it's just my way of clearing my head and yeah try not to think too much about underwriting during that hour but inevitably it usually I usually get some idea halfway through and I think no not now (laughs) that's brilliant no it's great great for your um your motivation and give you that kind of space to stop and think I think for me one of the the big issues around this way of working is that we are so back-to-back now I mean we used to have back-to-back meetings but we'd at least walk from one room to another and have that five minutes to sort of have a little bit of mind space or make a cup of tea at the beginning of a meeting before it started whereas it's literally like one meeting ends and sometimes you're even in the same application and just going straight into another um and there's there's not really any of that time to just stop and think in an uninterrupted way so I think it's a a brilliant routine to be in yeah yeah no I totally agree and I think zoom fatigue is is definitely definitely been on the rise um we actually um a lot of people we started introduced no meetings Wednesdays which which was really nice just to have a a nice clear Wednesday to actually clear your inbox and clear PPL or whatever it is that's that's been kind of hanging over you um rather than just get more more meetings fly in the diary um but yeah hopefully not too long and we can I think Lloyd's is a really nice way of breaking that up because you have a little walk over there and there's always people around um so yeah it's a, a much different way of working than being stuck at a laptop all day that's for sure even the joy of queuing up for a coffee whereas now that's not even a break you know it's there it's instantly <laughs> making it for yourself <laughs> So if there's other people who are listening to this uh, that are at the early stage of their career and and they want to progress and make that transition that you have, what advice would you give to them? I think, I think as probably you can um, tell from the rest of what I've said, I think just trying to learn as much as you can and trying to ask questions and it's the oldest saying, but you know, no questions, stupid questions. Um, One of the things that I've really benefited from and I'm really grateful for is for the last 
gosh, three, four years now, I've sat down for an hour with my boss once a week and we just, I bring through all the questions that I've accumulated throughout the week that can wait um, and we just talk about them for an hour. Um, and that's really helped me just rather than feel like you're constantly bugging people is, which I don't think many people actually think that if you don't, as long as you don't ask the same question twice, um, is just, yeah, I think that's that's definitely been one of the most important things that I've done um just being genuinely inquisitive um and yeah just understanding that if if things aren't don't feel right or you're not enjoying your current role or just it's never harm to have a little look and and see what else is out there in different roles different companies different industries um spend a lot of time at work so it's quite important to to try and enjoy it and I think that's yeah I think that's probably in a nutshell excellent yeah and it's lovely to hear you're still you're still doing that with those questions and that time because I think it's um it's a brilliant a brilliant thing um you have so many questions you don't want to interrupt people my suggestion is often just use the back of your notebook so you're you're back of your notebook you write down all the questions they don't disrupt your your to-do list or your meeting notes or whatever but they're always there to then then run through and and what I'm suggesting to people nowadays is that if you're about to go into a zoom call where someone's going to give you a demo or run through something, just hit record and then you've got it available to look back on, which is something we'd never normally have in the past. Um, so you can, and arguably you can shadow sometimes a little bit more in Zoom. You might have access to meetings that in the past because of the meeting room size or the setup, you couldn't have people observing, um, although the opposite is also true because um, you know, too many people on these calls can make it challenging in its own right as well. Yeah, I found this quite interesting in lockdown. It's personally for me, I'm uh, the way I like to learn is I like to read, I like to understand things and I like my own space. So for me, it's actually been really, really useful to not have that kind of in Lloyd's. It is quite challenging to, especially it's quite, it's quite loud in there. I can't often hear what's happening next to me. Um, And it's such a fast pace by the time one decision has been made, the next one's happening. So for me, one thing that we did in our team and we do it less so now just because of the the volume that we had was just to CC each other into emails. So if you're if you're training and you're junior, just just ask, just ask, do you mind CC me in? You know, and, and no one's. Well, at least not in my team anyway no not people aren't protective about these decisions if you want to if, if if you want to learn it's a great way to do it um and just asking being proactive do you mind if I come to that client presentation especially again like you said there's not even there's not even the concept of too many seats in the room anymore or not enough you, you it's a it's a zoom call no one minds especially if you some of the committees that I've been listening to recently they've opened up and I'm I've applied and got on as a as an observer so I'm not allowed to say anything which I find quite difficult sometimes but I just have my camera off and I just listen um and I find that really useful and then make a note of my questions and can ask them next week um and like you say we've actually extended that question to um the terrorism team and the aspect of that sort of element of of our role in the new junior underwriters joining there um, and I'm learning loads from joining that as well because it's another another generation of of underwriters and every time you do these things you learn more and more um, so yeah it's definitely something I would advise people try and do as much as possible. Well you've shared lots of advice already um, throughout our conversation but we end these podcasts with one piece um, of brilliant advice that you've had um, that's helped you in your career that you can share with listeners so what would be your top one? I think 
my top one is definitely what um I learned on a course that I said earlier about being proactive and just taking things and owning them yourself and trying to approach them and trying to understand and learn them as much as you can before you ask for help not to sit on something for I've done it before where I've tried to work something out and spent days on it and actually should have asked for help from the beginning that's probably not going to help anyone um but it feeds into I, I can hear my boss in my head say control the controllables and it's quite a lot of people say it around the company there's obviously things that that aren't in our remit to, to do and to try and improve across the industry um and I think just trying to yeah do your job to the best that that you can do it and not to get too flustered by other things that don't fit in the box that I often try and like to work in um so yeah I think just I try and stop procrastinating stop looking at my phone and just get on with it and it's usually a lot a lot easier once you've tried to tackle it and ask some people some questions um yeah things that I used to I remember tasks that I did when I first joined I found awful and I couldn't even think about how to approach them and just breaking things down controlling what you can and then asking for help once you've once you've done your best really brilliant well thank you so much Ramon if anyone's listening to this that wants to get in touch with you afterwards um is LinkedIn the best place to find you yeah yeah please do I'm always open for any advice or questions that anyone might have um yeah LinkedIn's great excellent all right well thank you for your time thanks Sam